Yeah, I'm just got to get it going. There we go. So, Western uh, Western game hunts. That's what we were talking about. Oh yeah, because um, of my great crazy schedule this year. Uh, unfortunately, a hunt's not going to happen. I got a I got an ultra marathon in August. I'm probably going to miss because I started a new business. But hunts, I didn't even um, I didn't even apply for tags because I knew I was doing this. And my luck, I went for um, I went to New Mexico. I applied there, or I was going to. Um, I was going to apply for Wyoming and Montana and I knew I couldn't do it this year. So I decided not to apply because my luck, I would probably get like the hunt of the lifetime this year. That's Did what you go out last year or not. Uh, I hunted last year. Yeah. I hunted with uh, rusty Farnsworth out of uh, Utah. We went up in the okay. uh, Ashley national forest, which is Northern Utah. Yeah. Uh, had a, had a blast. And did you get anything? What did you go elk hunting? I, I did not. I okay. didn't get anything. Um, did y'all get into anything? Like, did you get uh, into we elk? Saw, or? Uh, I had one. I had one shot where um, he was like, it sounded like he was behind the trees, and it went from me down on my knee at full draw, ready to go, blood pumping, and then all of a sudden he bugled again, and it sounded like he was a million miles away. And I was like, oh, maybe that was a different one. And Rusty's like, no, that was yours. So yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe how much he could move like that. And we were in some ridiculous terrain that, that moment. I mean, some of it was planes and all that, but we were in a crazy spot and the amount of time he had to move that distance. And sure enough, we went like the other way so we could see him up. And sure enough, he was literally trotting like he was on clouds going up the roughest stuff I've ever seen. And you it, said it's New amazing what they can do. You said that was New Mexico. No, no, no. That was uh, Utah. Oh, I was going to apply okay. for Mexico this year, gotcha. but I didn't because if I would have got it, I would have killed myself. <laughs> Is that <laughs> the only I one you got into? So I didn't apply anywhere. That was the only bull you got into. How long were you out um, there? We saw two more, but we, they never got even close range. We glassed one. Uh, he moved a little closer. We angled. Um, the other part of it was we were in a canyon mm -hmm. and the wind was swirling all day and all night. Oh. So it was like we would be in the right position in the right wind. And it's like, all right, we're going to go this way, and he's going to go this way, and then wind. So, you know, that's hunting. But I had an absolute blast, and when I get a schedule going again, I will probably go with Rusty again. So was that your call to hunt that area? Like, did that where – or was that more kind of where he guides and that's – That's where he guides. Um, I wouldn't uh, – the experience level out west, I've done a lot of hiking and stuff but I wouldn't ever suggest a spot over, over the guides. I'm, I'm going right where they want. I'm sitting where they want me to be. Uh, at least that part, you know, on a hunt, that's the one thing you can control. Like if he tells me to go sit behind this burn and stay there, because this is what's going to happen. At least I'm going to do that. Everything else is out of my control. Yeah. How many <laughs> so days were you out there? But yeah, he had me in the right positions. Um, uh, one guy was a group hunt. Um, one guy got one. I don't remember how big it was a small young bull. Um, but, um, other people saw him. I got that one in range. Um, yeah, but it, it was a blast and I can't wait to go back. So he did a group. How many people were in the group and do you, like, uh, five, you gonna... uh, five clients and I believe three guides. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Are you going to go back solo next time? 
or did you like the group? Um, like, what do you think? How I do you went, think that impacted your ability to get to get into stuff and to get shots on stuff? Not oh, really. it helped a lot because he was a good teacher too. He wasn't one of those, you know, he doesn't have an ego or anything. I mean, he was showing me everything. Even walking back in the evening, he was even explaining why we did certain things. Not that I was questioning it, but he was like, you know, we moved over here because usually they drop in and blah, blah, blah. I had you over here because of this. We went back up the mountain to, to, to glass because, you know, this this probably would have done that, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, I've hunted with him two years in a row now, and uh, it's helped a lot. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a solo hunt. Um, but if I and the other side of it was if I would applied for New Mexico, Montana or Wyoming, um, I was planning on. Um, if I would have drawn the same place as Wayne from the Borac, I'd have probably went with him. And I mean, let's face it, that's that's a guide and he's a guide in itself. You know, I mean, that's having that's having one of the best out there. Yeah, so that would have been huge, too. I would have learned a ton. And he's an amazing teacher and he's taught me the last three years pretty much everything I know in this game. So which is not much. I'm getting there. But yeah. Um, yeah. That would have been more like a solo hunt because we'd have probably went our separate ways during the day. Um, and then I probably would have got a lot of help if he would have got one, you know, before me. So I'll, I'll just look for that in the future. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit about, um, I know that you just did, uh, uh, I think it was 50 for the fallen, right? Yeah, that or was uh, 50 day? for the fallen in uh, Colorado Springs. What was the story there? I mean, I know what the basic backdrop is, but how did you, I think I saw oh, on social media and you just completely... basically somebody just messaged you and you just kind of shot out there. What was the deal on that? Yeah, I'm working on this new business. I'm doing a canine nutrition store in my old jewelry store and I just moved the jewelry store next door. So that's probably why I'm dressed like this because I get to go over there and sand wood. Um, so yeah, I've been, I was following, uh, the 50 for the fallen page for about probably a month. And then all of a sudden he started following me back, DM me and he's like, you're going to do a ruck or what? And I was like, um, yeah. And that was on like a Wednesday and he had one in Austin, Texas. And it was that Friday. And I was like, oh man, I can't make that one. And he's like, all right, well, we'd love to have you get on the schedule and look. And the next one was Colorado Springs. And it was like, right in the middle of this transition of the both businesses. And I've been going like 40 days straight. You're exhausted, even Sundays. And I was like, you know what? To get out of here, get out West, hike with a bunch of guys that are active, military, retired, you know, special forces, you name it, was out there. I was like, and I, I love the hard stuff. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm going. So I signed up and uh, I flew in on a Thursday night. We started the ruck on the next day at noon and we ended on Saturday morning um, at 6 a.m. And then I jumped on another plane home. So what was it was 50 miles right over the course of how long where it was everyone uh, doing that? We did it in I, uh, they usually set it for 18 hours. We did it in 14, I believe. We got in. It's supposed to be from noon one day till 6 a.m. the next day. And we got done at like, I think, 3.50, 4.15 or something like that. And were there, did they have aid stations along? Like, was there food set up and all that kind of stuff? Or did you yeah, have, yeah. Like, they have they to had bring all their own stuff? They had one with uh, 
uh, I forget the name and I really wanted to name drop it for him, but there was a local, local pizza and beer um, brewery that had pizza and beer in a parking lot. That was awesome. Um, uh, they had, the other ones were kind of set up. They had Krispy Kreme donuts at one of them. That was pretty awesome. I think he had like 15 cases of donuts. So that nice. was pretty cool. Um, there was a couple bars that were open real late and they had pretzels and stuff for us at a table. Uh, all in all, it was awesome, but we had rest stops every 10 miles. Gotcha. And then if, you know, and the whole thing is you never leave anybody behind on that race. So it's, it's all a group. So if anybody got tired or got an injury or something, if it was a serious injury, there was a car to pick them up. If it was something where they felt like they could shake off, we all waited for them and we got back going. That's good stuff. Yeah. It was, Have you it done was a bunch of those in the past? Or is that the first big, like the first big ruck you've done? I know you run a lot, but from a ruck standpoint, is that the first long ruck you've done? No. To prepare for Moab, um, I put 30 pounds in a vest and I rucked at a, I tried to ruck at a 12 minute pace out at a park by my house all night. What I wanted to do was I wanted to go, um, I wanted to go to work that day and do my regular routine, go to the gym at night. Instead of going to bed, I wanted to ruck all night. And uh, my goal was 50 miles overnight. And I got to like 45 something. And I actually passed out in the grass and woke up in the morning and got my truck and crobbled home. I was, I was hurting, but a uh, 30 pound pack. What I did was I wore a ruck vest and then I put like my water and everything um, for Moab over that. So I wanted to add 30. I always like to make it harder than the real thing. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah. I failed at like 45. I still have the screenshot of it. <laughs> I woke up like laying on a fence, almost like Jesus on the cross. Not kidding. Like my arms were laying in the fence. I was laying like this and I woke up and there was like people walking their dogs and stuff. Yeah. I can't imagine the pictures on the internet of me sitting there. But um, it, it was rough. It was in July. I'm in South Florida. The humidity at night was like 110. I had bug bites so much on my face. It was mosquitoes and no seams, but it, it looked like I got attacked by bees. So people who from who are from not from the Southeast, you need to tell everybody what a no seam is. Because no we, know, we know what they are. But a, they're not everywhere in this country. No, they're not. They're basically a flying flea. So think about a fly shrink down to the size of a flea and they're just brutal. You can't see them. You, you can look at your arms and your arms on fire and you don't know why. And then all of a sudden you brush it and they're gone because they flew away or you smacked it. And they're just, they're brutal. They get in your clothes. They can go right through the fabric. It, it's ridiculous. And I ran through them and I honestly think between them and the mosquitoes, that's what, brought me down i think i got bit so much that the poison got in my blood and i just was shot because the other side of it is when i was using the restroom out there in the forest i i was you know i don't know how else to say this but i was peeing clear so you know was it my body trying to get it out i don't know but all of a sudden i just and i was done i woke up a little bit later and crawled to the car took the gear off and drove home barefoot it was brutal but I still went to work that day. That's what I'm proud of. Yeah. So I didn't get 50, but the whole thing was to rock overnight and then go to work the next day. Cause I wanted to, I wanted that feeling of Moab 
to, you know, go all day and then have that mental capacity to go, all right, well, you just ran all day, but now you got to run all night. So, you know, I had to get work done. So I worked all day, which I'm on my feet. And I went and I went, I ran this that morning too. So I went to the beach with the dogs. I went to work all day and I went to the gym that night. And then literally instead of sleeping, I went for the rock and it was brutal, but I think it helped. I saw that you use, um, that you got a cold plunge at your house. Which one are you using? I got, well, I got the company is plunge and I got the, um, I think it's the, it's the 74 inch one. So it must be called their industrial or maybe their, you know, the business one, something like that. It's not the, it's not the standard anyways. It's, it's the big daddy. It's 74 inches. It's a little taller. I think it's got a little bigger filtration system on it, but I'm in that thing every day. The only day I'm not in there is on Wednesdays when I lift heavy, uh, I will get in in the morning, but after that lift, I keep hearing all this stuff. Don't get in a cold plunge after working out or blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's, it's off and on on Wednesdays, but any other day of the week, I am in there first thing in the morning and then before I go to bed at night. So when do they say you're supposed to actually use it? They're say, they say you're not supposed to use it after you train. You're supposed to be using it. What, well, when you, I guess I've been reading, it goes back and forth all the time, but I was I read, say, I, I I've, guess I've it, heard that like a lot of people when it first got out was, you know, that's where you go after you're done training. Cause it helps, you know, vasoconstriction and it helps recovery and your muscles, but what that's right. people and, are saying. And then I heard if you're now. weightlifting, you, you don't do it right after. So for me, I'd have to say it's random. The only time I really do it seriously where I know it's helping because I've done it so much now, I bought it in February and I'm doing it every day is first thing in the morning. I I don't care what anybody tells me when I don't do it in the morning, I don't feel the same. I feel better. It doesn't matter if I went for a rock. doesn't matter if I went for a big run or slept in. If I do it in the morning to start my day, I feel so much better. So what's the temperature? That's that's the one thing I'm sticking to. What's the temperature that you keep it at? Um, I'm assuming you can adjust it, right? I've got it down to, I'm at 41 degrees now. Gotcha. Yeah. I want to get to, I want to get to about 38, 36, but in my weather being, you know, it's going to be like 95 degrees from now till like November. Um, I want to call the company. I want to talk to them about having one in South Florida and, you know, that motor's turning and it's trying to keep it cool. I want to see that what they say about it, trying to keep it cool in my kind of weather because it's sitting on a deck and it has no shade. So I want to talk to them about trying to keep it, you know, cause I notice when I'm out there, the motor's always coming on to try to keep it cool. I just don't want to burn it up. So I'm sure it's okay, but I'm still going to talk to them about trying to keep it that low of a temp, you know, every day of the week. Yeah. The, uh, so do you, do you train in the morning or do you train in the evening? That sounds like, so you get in the cold plunge and then you go train afterwards or what's your training? Yeah, I actually, like? I train three times a day. I, uh, I get in the cold plunge first thing in the morning. Then I jump out, dry off. I got the dogs in the truck and we go run our seven mile, six and a half, seven mile ruck. First thing in the morning on the beach, barefoot. Um, and then I go back home and I try to get off my feet for about, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes. Um, put uh, laying down on my bed and put my uh, feet on my pillow uh, just for, you know, you want to recover as much as you train. So I try, I try to take advantage of every minute. Um, And then the ideally I like to go to the gym and lift up her body at lunch. So I get out of here, I go to the gym um, probably about 10 or 11 o'clock. So 
you know, I haven't, I haven't touched training since 4am. So that's a good recovery time. And then I um, go for another run. Um, I run about, I don't know, maybe another six or seven miles at night. And I get the German shepherd, the one that's going to be doing the search. I get him on the last two miles. And then we do a search together on the run. I hide one of his toys. So we get a run in and a search. And then that's, that's my night or that's my whole day as far as training. So it's cardio in the morning with a rock, um, then weight training, upper body, uh, during the day. And then I run on the street at night and there's, there's no weight. It's just a straight up run. And I try to pick it up a little bit. I'm trying to get, my goal is I want to pace at about seven and a half and I'm, I'm down to about eight minute miles now. Gotcha. Well, it so, gives me about a half marathon. And you were training for something out in Wyoming this fall. Uh, so yeah. The one is, that's the one you're not going to be able to make. The, uh, I think it's called the range 100. Honestly, it's called the Wyoming range 100. I just keep calling it the Wyoming 100. Um, mm -hmm. It's part of the ultra circuit. It is one of the, you know, professional races that you get points for it's August 11th. I just don't think I can get out there this year. That's why, um, because the businesses are both going to be open then. And I just, I just can't leave my new manager. It just wouldn't be responsible for me. So we are closed the week of 4th of July. We do that to, you know, celebrate that holiday. We close for a week. So I think I'm trying to get out to the bow rack, uh, that first week of July, just to get out of here, call it my vacation get out there and run the mountains and shoot my bow and learn some more from them and then call it a year and get back on the grind. Gotcha. So what yeah. you've got Wayne, Wayne is your personal tutor. Is that what you've got going on? Pretty much. I mean, if I ask a question, what's cool about him is if I ask a question, I'm getting the long answer. So mm -hmm. he, he's an awesome dude. He helps people all the time. Um, we, we talk often. We probably talk once a week. Um, I haven't been shooting my bow as much as I should be. So I don't have the questions, but um, um, hopefully I'm getting out there in July, so I'll have the questions then. And what I'll do is kind of a routine out there. I'll get up in the morning. Hopefully I'll get to run with him if he's got time. And then um, I'll be at the bow rack during the day trying to soak up as much as I can. I'll pretty much hang out there all day and then try to get another run in at night and shoot with him in the evening when he gets off work. And, uh, yeah, call it a week. That's that's. I'm not really – a. I don't know. I'm not really a sightseer or vacationer. I'd rather be at that farm, you know, that he lives on and, and shooting my bow and, and running in those hills. So that's what I'll be doing if I get out there. So fingers crossed for that. So the running part is a bigger priority to you than the hunting part, I'm assuming, right? I mean, because you could take that week and go scout, you know, somewhere for a week if you wanted to, but it sounds to me like the, the yeah, well, I mean, higher I, up on the another, another year, like if I was going hunting, I would hundred percent go to where I got my tag for that week. But since I'm not hunting, I'm not looking at it as a priority and I'm kind of, I'm pretty butthurt that I'm not hunting. So it's like, I'm kind of ignoring it, but I'm keeping in shape and I'm going out there to shoot my bow. So uh, it's, it's like, it's on the back burner, but it's not. And there's always next year. And, and next year I'm applying for everywhere possible. I, I want to hunt. I want to go on the goal is three hunts. I would love to go on three hunts next year. And you got any specific States that you're trying to get? Um, I want Montana, Wyoming, and New Mexico, just like I was going to apply this year. Those are my three big ones. Are you accruing points every year? Like, are you, getting into the the system and getting points accrued every year for those states already? 
Or have you been doing that? Uh, I am. I am not. I just got started with that. The, the last two years, I knew I could get my over-the-counter tag with Rusty in in Utah, and I wanted to just I wanted to hunt. You know, I didn't care where it was. I didn't care who it was with. And I'm and I'm glad I went to Utah. Utah is incredible. And um, you know, it was on public land, and it was with a cool guy, and he's really good at it. So now I'm starting to get into the point thing. And then, like we were talking about earlier. I didn't apply this year and accumulate. I did buy points. I take that back. I bought points for, I want to say Wyoming, because that's where I think Wayne was trying to go and I was going to go with him. So I did buy points in Wyoming, but I didn't apply for the tags or anything because um, I I figured I would get picked and I couldn't go. I would hate to turn that down. That would That would break my heart. So, I mean, I'm always available if you need somebody to take your tag. So, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, don't let that keep you from applying in the future. Perfect. All right. I'll remember that. <laughs> but next year, next year, yeah, I'm I'm going after it every which way. I've got the uh, Hunt and Fool. I'm, 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 I'm a member with them. So I get all the emails of when the draw is and, you know, when you can buy your points and when you can get your tags. So I'm getting all the emails. So next year I'm going to be on it like crazy. And Wayne always sends me texts. Hey, you're going to apply here. You're going to apply here. Yeah. So it, it, it's on next year. Everything, everything I do this year for hunting is for next year. Next year is my Super Bowl. I feel it. I'm, I'm going, I'm going. So yeah, even I, going out to Utah this year, I mean, Utah, uh, even going out to the bow rack this year, I mean, I'm going to be soaking up so much information all those guys are going to be getting ready for, you know, the end of August and September when, you know, when it opens up. So hopefully I'm around a bunch of them while I'm out there in July. And yeah, that's all going to be geared towards next year. Next year is my year. Yeah. I've, I've got the same thing going on. I've been, so I had some of the same similar situation you had, you had a car accident like a long time ago. I had like a, a back thing where I had like three back surgeries, but I've, I've kind of just come back from that in the last nine, 10 months. So uh, like I did a nine mile ruck on Saturday, which is in like six nice. months ago, I, I could barely get to the end of the driveway. Um, but Oof. so, uh, but long, that's not, you know, the biggest thing is that a big piece of me kind of, being motivated and and kind of getting to this next step has been this kind of discovery of bow hunting discovery of hunting out west um i'm oh, going awesome. in the, i'm going in the fall of 2024 uh with my father-in-law who does a ton of big game hunting out in in africa and um but we're gonna uh i've got family that's got land in southern illinois so we're doing a big whitetail hunt for a week oh wow they illinois got some big ones out there too oh uh, dude they got some monsters yeah. up there not not like the dogs we got in the southeast oh, the glorified no, that's, dogs why, the that's why like people ask me all the time why aren't i hunting here and i'm like meh <laughs> it's like well especially once you go out to utah and, and once you go out to oregon and hang out with those guys and start talking to elk yeah, I mean, the, these deer, you know, the size of my German Shepherd, you know, I'm just like, and then a pig hunt in 90 degree weather. I'm like, yeah, if I get invited, I might go, but I'm not going to be the one to start it. I just need to train and be focused on what I really want to do. And that's the elk in the mountains. Yeah. I want a quarter on my shoulder. I well, think I the think biggest too. thing I want is to be able to give it to other people. I, I think that'll be awesome. Knowing I'm the guy that got it. And like, I can call these friends up and especially people that have given me game meat back here at home. I just cannot wait to call them up and go, guess what? Now you got to come to my house and get it. So I think, I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah. 
I think too, you know, it sounds to me, I mean, as somebody who hasn't been in hunting my whole life, you know, I was like, my other world was football, coaching football forever. And so uh, hunting's a new thing to me. And my brother's done it his entire life. But I just like the the idea of, and, and I know there's a lot of guys out there like this, but the idea of, of sitting in a tree stand, you know, for weeks on end is not something that excites me. Even now, like, even though I'm going to go hunt whitetail this fall, yeah, I'm going to spot and stalk a decent amount, even if I don't get something. Like, honestly, I know this probably sounds stupid, but I'd rather move around and get a better understanding of what deer do, how deer move and not get anything than sit in a tree stand for a week and get one shot. Like that's just, that's not something that juices me up. And that's why I get so excited. That's why I'm kind of so drawn to the, to the out West stuff because you're not, you know, you're moving all the time. I'm I'm the, I'm the same way. I remember the, I remember the first day Rusty said that was the guide in Utah. He was like, you know, we're probably going to do about 13 to 15 miles today and you got to bring all your stuff. So you're probably looking around 40 pounds. And I was like, are, are we leaving yet? Like right. I, I was ready. I mean, yeah, same, same thing. I wanted to, cause I love hiking out West. I've done over 500 miles out there with my, my dogs, you know, earlier in life. So it was like, you know, you're adding the bow and the hunt to something I already love to do, which is get up in that high country. Anyways, it's like, you know, point me in the direction. Let's go. So what's, um, how do you deal with what's your approach to the elevation component of it? Like, do you go out a couple days early to get used just from a standpoint of the, the different oxygenation level and to get some acclimation before you, do you kind of gradually get deeper in what's your, or do you just throw yourself in because you've done it before you're okay? I'm throwing myself in. Um, I just, I mean, somebody that's, like a doctor or somebody studies the lungs or something is probably going to just crush me. But I think a lot of it's mental. Well, you're probably, I think just going, I mean, I remember, I remember I I drive out to Oregon when I go see them usually, because I I spend quite a bit of time there and then I drive to my hunt and drive home. Jeez. How Um, long is that? Two days, three days. Oh, I take my time. I'm like seven days. Yeah. So how you're taking what? Three weeks off every three hours. You're taking off three weeks. Um, last year I took a month and a half because I went out to Oregon. Then I went on a hunt and these were all back to back. So I went out to Oregon, hunted and trained with them. Then I went to Utah and did my five day hunt. And then I went right to Moab and ran the Moab 240. You're obviously not married. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say you you have a a single guy's schedule. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's And it's still busy. Like right now I'm exhausted. Yeah. But it's good. It's good exhaustion. So I know that the, um, the ultra running thing is a big, you know, big piece of your life. How did you get into that? Like, where did that, how long ago did that start? And I know that I think I told, I think you told me the first time we met that the first race you did, you didn't get through it. And then you kind of worked up to Moab and, but talk, go back and kind of tell me how that thing started. Um, well, it kind of started in two different ways. In 2018, my best friend, Paul McComb, he passed away in 2018 in September. Um, so then the next year, I wanted to do something like it, it kind of changed my life. I always tell people when my father passed in 2003, I hit rock bottom. When Paul passed away, 
I wanted to live my best life because it was like another awakening, you know, um, for both of them. So in two, he passed in 2018 and, uh, 2019, I went out to see his family in Philadelphia and ran the, uh, Philadelphia marathon. Well, I trained for two weeks right before I was, Had you, were you a runner at all before this or no? No, no. Okay. I, what, were I you trained an athlete? for those two weeks. I went out what on were a trail doing? Were you mostly a, like, were you lifting? Were you, were you doing anything? Like were I you... was drinking, I was drinking beer. I was doing okay. hammer fills. Gotcha. Yeah. So you weren't yeah. into fitness at all at that point. No, I was fishing a ton. I was working at the jewelry store as a bench jeweler and kind of like a bench jeweler slash manager, kind of assistant to my mom, trying to learn to take it over. Um, kind of, kind of going nowhere, but I had the store. So it was kind of like a cushion, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I got the store. I'm good. Well, I, I, you can still have a family business and, you know, up your life hundred percent. So that's what I started to do in 2019. I ran that. It was in, I started training in October and it was in November. I believe the uh, uh, Philly marathon was in November. I ran a 454 and uh, which is horrible, but I thought I was going to die. <laughs> yeah, I was hurting. I came in just jogging at the end and it, it, it snowed, it hailed, it rained and it blew like 30 miles an hour. So I got it all. Um, and then after the marathon, I kind of fell off it again. Cause I was kind of doing it for that. Like, you know, I ran for Paul, um, and, um, you know, it was kind of like, all right, then I, um, I went out West, uh, to hike with a buddy in Idaho and, um, he got, he got a call that his girlfriend, um, had to evacuate her farm with her horses in California in a fire. So I got him to the airport. We raced out of the woods, got him to an airport because I had my truck. So then I had like five or six, seven days. I don't remember what it was. Uh, kind of like, what do I, what do I do now? You know, it's not bow season. Um, I, I had my bow because I was shooting on the road trip at different places. Um, so I got on Instagram and I got a hold of uh, the people at the bow rack. I didn't really know them then. And they said, yeah, come on out. So I booked a hotel ahead of time and drove out there and uh, shot it, shot at the uh, barrack, realized that I was doing absolutely everything wrong, shooting a bow. I mean, I was all off. Wayne spent like three hours with me. I was like his project child. Um, I mean, I had everything wrong, but it was cool to be able to do that. We even stayed after work that night, helped me, you know, retune the bow. I didn't buy it from them because I didn't know them at the time. Um, and uh, then um, I went on my way that night and said our goodbyes. And then he hit me up like an hour later, said, do you want to come to a barbecue tomorrow? We're going to celebrate last year's, basically the end of last year's uh, wild game meet and get ready for the season. Cause it was like at the end of August, you know, and it, it's, I think last year season started around the 28th. So it was right around then um, I was like, yeah. So I stayed an extra day in my hotel uh, went to that barbecue, um, hung out with Cam and Nick, the trainer dude that he's always talking about, and Wayne and Lisa had a blast and been going out there ever since. So from a running standpoint, you you did the the marathon and then it kind of fell off. You know, yeah. you weren't doing it so much anymore. Where did the running pick back up? 
the the running definitely picked up uh, when I was out there with them. I saw the lifestyle they lived. I had just done the run the year before uh, in 2019. And then when I went out and saw them, that was 2020 during the pandemic. Um, I just said, you know, I might not have mountains, but I can still incorporate this in my life. I can go out to the beach and, and do that ruck that I do now. I can, you know, I can shoot my bow in my backyard. I got about 20 yards in the backyard. You know, you just, you don't, and nobody has the exact life somebody else does, but you can still find ways to live that same life. And then of course, you know, Cam was a huge in, influence on that. Um, I ran the mountain a few times with him that next time I went out in uh, 2021, I was there for like a month. Um, and, you know, and I got to run Pisgah by myself and I, I did carry a rock up Pisgah on my own at 3 AM. And, you know, so I just wanted to carry it on. I didn't, I didn't want it to be just that, Oh, I'll go out there and train that month and then go back to my life. So it, that, that trip, that marathon, then that trip to say, uh, to them just open the doors. And then that's how I picked Moab. Um, you know, Cam did it. We talked about it out there. Wayne was telling me about Moab. Um, so that Is was Wayne a runner too. Ways. What's that? Is Wayne a runner too? Wayne's a runner. Wayne, oh, Wayne okay. can run. Um, I bet you, you know, he calls it the old man run, but I bet you that guy can walk up the side of a mountain all day. I bet yeah. you he can. He just doesn't talk about it. Well, he looks super fit, you know. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's in shape. He just, you know, hunting, hunting level. I bet you he can go right up the side of a mountain with a pack like you and I run it. I can just tell. I haven't hunted with him yet, but I can just tell. So you leave there, and then how? How between the time that you leave there and the first time? I guess was Moab the first race you ran? The first ultra. Um, okay, so what, what you leave there, and then what do you identify as like? When do you decide I'm going to do an ultra, and then like which one did you identify well, as in, the one you wanted to take? In 2020, I decided I wanted to test myself and do an ultra because of Cam Haynes. We'll get. I mean that 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 was the reason. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of you know training to hunt, and he takes it to another level, and and that's why he's doing the ultras. He's not doing them as a runner. He's doing them as a hunter. And I looked at it like that because I kind of did that when I lived in Costa Rica. It was kind of funny. I didn't know him or know who he was, but I had a rock on the beach that was shaped like a, like, I don't know if you know, they, they have these sleds that you tow behind a boat and you can hang on them and you look for lobster with them. You can hold them out. And when you tuck them down, they will take you under the water. Well, I had a rock that was shaped like that on the beach of Costa Rica and I used to hold it under the water um, like that, and I would let it drop me, and then I would get back up, do a squat, and I would do that underwater. And I was also I, – I did a workout called a frog squat. So I would get it down, and I would – the beach was really steep, and I used to throw it up. So uh, what I'm getting at is I had that mind frame, and I did it because I wanted to be sharper out on the water because I was hunting big game. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get – every day I went out fishing – I'm trying to get a 300 pound tuna or I'm trying to get a thousand pound marlin. So I kind of had that mind frame of training to better what you want to do. Um, but, you know, in Costa Rica, that's another story. I, you know, I was a drinker and I'd go, I'd train and then I'd go drink. So I wasn't on the same, I wasn't nearly on the same path, but getting back to what we were talking about, I saw all of them, not just Cam, uh, they train really hard all year 
just for that month of hunting, you know? So I, I love that you, and I love having a goal. So, you know, I wanted to hunt the next year. I wanted to do an ultra. So I actually signed up in, I was supposed to do Moab in 2021. Um, and it fell out and I'll get into that in a little bit, but you asked about another uh, ultra. I, um, I did one called the, uh, Florida forgotten or the forgotten Florida. I don't which way that was, but it was in February of 2021. And I did that and I got about, I was in first place, surprisingly, most of the race. And then first I got lost because I didn't look at my phone. I should have looked at my map. And then I get a terrible cramp in my hamstring. And that was at like 75 miles. And I just walked off the course. So that was my second failure. So I failed on the field trying to do the 50 by myself. Then I failed at that 100 then 2022, I turn around and do a 240 mile race and finish. So it's, it's up here. Yeah. And you didn't have any kind of physical issues at, at Moab, uh, on the, the, what is it? 240. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, if you want to get technical, I think it's 238.2, but you know, they call it the Moab 240. Um, a funny story that I haven't really talked about yet. Cause I didn't really want to, but I'm going to get into it now is seven days before Moab, I had a dislocated, uh, well, you call it a, what do you call it? A rib, pulled rib, separated yeah. rib. Mm -hmm. um, that's what two massage therapists and a chiropractor thought I had out there in Moab. And, you know, Moab, that's where they do the dirt biking, the mountain climbing. I mean, those guys, those guys and girls see injuries all the time. So when they say that's probably what I had because of the loss of breath, uh, that's probably what I had. I woke up one morning after a light run. I, I ran the dogs in the morning. I was in Moab. I ran the dogs in the morning up to these red rocks that I wanted to go see. Nothing crazy, almost like a walk, walk jog. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was more for them just to get them out of the trailer. Um, and then I went back to my trailer. I woke up a couple hours later. And I was laying down and I had my arm like this. And I remember waking up and looking down, like, why is my arm like it's in a cast? And I sat up. And when I sat up, it felt like somebody just took a knife, stabbed at my rib and turned it. I had a loss of breath. I fell out of my bed. I was, I was literally going. And I didn't know what was going on. So I thought I was having a heart attack at first and then I laid back down and it went away. So I was like, all right, it's not a heart attack. What, what is it? You know, um, rolled over, was going to call nine one one. And then I was like, well, you, you don't know what's going on out here. How are you going to tell them where you're at in this RV park? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I wanted to do Moab. So I get on Google search and I looked up massage therapist. And it's like, I'm trying to get in that day, you know? So I get a guy that gets me in, in between two appointments. And he has me sit on the extra, on the side of his bed. I never lay down. And he has me do the thing with the arm. And like, I take a breath and he has me bring it up. And then he had me bring it down. And then he had me bring it up. And he had me do a whole bunch of arm stuff. And he's like, I'm totally booked, but you have a separated rib. I can tell right now. He, and he had pictures all over his wall of people with injuries with dirt bikes and stuff. And I was like, this guy knows his stuff. So 
I get back on Google and find this other lady that has her own practice and um, she works for one of the hotels. So her practice wasn't that busy. So I call her up. She calls me right back. I tell her the story and she literally got me in for those seven days, every day, whatever time she had available. And we worked on this rib and she said the same thing. She had me do the same thing, kind of doing this. And she's like, yeah, uh, we got to work on this. So she got a hold of a chiropractor right across the street from her. It was downtown Moab. And I went to her. Then I went right to the chiropractor and then back to her seven days straight. Um, I laid my RV. I didn't have an ice tub. I laid my RV and packed bags of ice on me in a recliner. And then I went at night at the RV park and sat in their hot tub. And I did that for seven days and I ran Moab. And for some reason, I don't, I, I say it's mental now. Um, I was dying up to day six, day seven, when my mother and my aunt Vicky, that were going to be my crew at Moab, for some reason that morning I was good to go. It was amazing. And I was in pain all week. And I actually had that happen uh, when I was in Oregon too, you know, the weeks prior before the hunt, when I was out in Oregon, like we were just talking about, I went and saw, I woke up one day to go run the mountain and I woke up and just rolled over and was like, you know, I was curled up like a baby. I was like, what is going on? And that same guy I mentioned before, Nick, the trainer dude, uh, that's Cam and Wayne's buddy. He owns a gym. He got me in real early in the morning before he started his uh, private sessions with clients and he said, you need like a million hours of stretching. And I took his word for it. I got a gym membership out there for like two weeks. And for those two weeks, all I did was get in that gym and stretch. I probably stretched four hours a day. So the problem was I didn't keep the consistency up, I think, of the stretching that he told me to do. So then I went on the hunt, didn't stretch, obviously, in a hunt. Then I got to Moab, felt good. Ah, I got this. And then it reoccurred. And I think it was something in my shoulder blade, you know, muscles tight, and they would just pull that rib right out. But that day, that day seven, when it was time to go to Moab, I was good. And I, I did Moab. It was amazing. So, so what was that? What was that? What was that race like? Obviously, you know, for most people who are not doing those kind of you know, things, not ultra runners, even if people are a normal runner, they're, they're going five, six miles and that's their thing. But right. You know, what, how long did it take and what were the, what were the phases of, of the mental game of that race that you went through? Oh, uh, I think, I think I did it in, I don't remember. I think I did it under a hundred hours. I had a horrible time. Um, I remember Wayne texting me one time and say, telling me I was in seventh place and that was like in the middle. So that was very cool. Um, and then something I did on the race that I haven't really told anybody yet was there was a girl in the race. And so say this is, uh, the ball of your foot. Mm -hmm. She had blisters all the way across. Well, they opened up and her entire foot peeled open. Oh, it was one of the worst injuries they'd ever seen at Moab. And, um, so she was determined and she kind of had to, they, we were up in the mountains and she was like, she had to wait, like it was something, something weird about the story where she had to wait like three days there 
you know, to get picked up because they were the aid station way up in the mountains or walk to the next one, which was 15 miles and she would get picked up. Well, I overheard her say, I'm going to walk this. And that was like a, that was like a huge inspiration for me. I was getting ready to take off and I, I just stood up and um, turned around and I was like, well, let's go. She looked at me and said, okay. You know, it was kind of like an instant connection. She was going to get to her husband if she got to that next one. And, and we walked it together. So it kind of killed my time, but I'm absolutely not blaming any of that on my time. I probably would have slowed down later, you know, which I did. But um, we walked that 15 miles together and she did that on that foot. And I, I don't know how she did that. That was insane. But um, she did that. And that was one of the tough mental things for me. When I got to that next thing, I think because of that walk, I ended up sleeping two hours. And that how was far, at that point. Run. How far are you along? Like, where are you? Oh, we're we're deep. We're over 100 miles. Yeah. We call it 125. I think I took a picture the next morning and I said, well, I, I think I said something like I was standing there like this. And I, I think I said something. Well, I ran my first hundred inside a 200. And so we were we were a good hundred miles in. It was the next morning. We walked all night together. So. So was that one of those things where first time around and I don't even know because I don't you know, are you running the entire time is it is there a certain point where you're like okay i'm gonna walk for the next hour so that i can run like what's the strategy behind doing something well, like that, especially I mean, the first time I, is it just survival the first time uh, i looked at it like that because i had you know i really had no clue what i was doing i ran that first 100 in florida it was in february it was 55 degrees out with a cool breeze i had a rest area excuse me i had a rest area every eight miles you know, to me, that one was, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but if I hadn't had the cramp or get lost, I think it was easy. Um, it was flat land. So then you tossed me in Moab and it was like, you know, oh, this is brutal. Um, I wasn't prepared for Moab. I didn't have the gaiters on my feet. I wore ankle socks. So if you've ever been out to that area in Utah, they have like a very light clay dust. And that stuff just floats in the air. So it got in my feet. And I have a picture. Uh, I have a picture on my phone from Moab with my uh, belt buckle, my finishing belt buckle next to my feet. And I have blisters bigger than golf balls on my heels. And it was from that clay. Um, I mean, let's face it. My mother and my aunt were absolutely awesome in the race, but they'd never, they've never run one. And they've never crewed one. So I was like, you know, I hope you guys are at the next rest area that you're allowed to be at when I see you there. Um, I, I think I did everything wrong. Um, I didn't take advantages of the rest stops in the beginning. Like they had amazing food. I mean, I got to give it credit to Candace and the race team. They had cheeseburgers and I think they had pancakes. They had all kinds of stuff. And here I am over there eating gels. Well, halfway through, I started eating bacon cheeseburgers with pickles on loads of pickles because those help with your dehydration. Um, you know, so I literally learned how to run ultras in an ultra, which is stupid. But, you know, that's like, you know, that's how I like to do things. 
I mean, I it was a like East West area. It was like a learning experience. <laughs> like yeah. I get to want to go, all right, well, I'm not going to do that again. Well, you still have 180 miles to go. All right, well, let's, let's go. Like I, I learned something huge. So like I was saying, when we got into that rest area with the girl, I slept two hours and I felt great after that, but I wanted to quit. Um, two guys from, oh man, I want to say they were from like the Himalayan mountains. Uh, they were doing it and they were in the van next to me. And I was like, I, they could hear, they overheard me. I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. That, that sleep felt so good. They walked right over and they're like, we're not trying to hear that you're going with us. So I got up and I went with them and then, you know, we went on our ways, but that was our separate ways. But that was, that was awesome to hear that. But I learned later at night, I was at one of the rest areas and I was walking around trying to find a place to sleep. I was trying to find flat land. I was trying to wait for a cushion. You know, I was wasting all this time because I just didn't know. Um, so finally I got a chair and then another chair opened up. Well, I threw my bag on the other chair and I got my feet up just a little bit. And that was like a supercharge for me. It was amazing. I never fell asleep. I had a conversation with another guy and one of the rest area ladies, um, aid station ladies, and just getting off my feet for, I think I was there for 20 minutes was huge. And I actually did better in the second half of the race than I did in the beginning. Like, I, I, I felt stuff out. Like I learned, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I didn't, I, I think I slept, I slept three hours in the whole thing and I gotta be honest, that was a mistake. I didn't need to, I don't need a lot of sleep anyways. So, you know, it was mental. Oh, I gotta sleep. I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. No, I, me personally, no, I didn't. I needed to eat and keep moving. I mean, I was, I got up in the mountains. I don't remember. We had two mountain ranges. We had to go over two big ones, a lot of mountains, but two big ones. I ran a 10 minute mile up one of those mountains with a pack. Like I hadn't run all day. So does everyone have a pack on in those things? Is everyone wearing um, a pack? I, I, I wore a pack and that was another mistake. I didn't need a pack. I should have wore, I had another vest that had the two bottles here yeah. and it had like a, uh, it had like a mesh thing in the back. I should have wore that. Um, the two bottles were fine because I could make it to the aid stations. And like I said, they had incredible aid stations. Um, I wish I would have just done that, but I wore a pack and I had my, my pants for at night. Cause I was going to get cold and, and I had an extra hat and all this stuff. I, I carried too much. If I was to do it again, I wouldn't carry the pack. I'd, I'd carry the vest with the two bottles. Cause I could always put one of those, you know, those bags in the back. Um, yeah, I would have eaten the aid station food. Um, I would have taken gels and stuff like that, but I just, I overpacked. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, it's, it was all learning. I remember throwing the pack off between two aid stations. I think it was, I think it was another one that was around 15 miles, a short one. I was like, X, X, nay, the, the pack. I think I wore a fanny pack with a bottle. So, I mean, I think the guy that won, uh, he had a little tiny pack on, but I bet you, uh, and he broke the course record. Uh, I bet you he barely touched his pack. I bet you he was, you know, concentrating on moving. I The pack to me for him was probably back up, you know, like if I need it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I mean, it's, it's very, all, un, very underplanned on my part. I think the, I mean, 
most of us learn from doing, you know, and if you don't have yeah. somebody that's, that's walking you through the whole thing, then, but just the fact that you got it done is pretty amazing. And I know you said you, you know, we're kind of getting short on time, but I want to touch on this wilderness initiative, trust in Africa. I know you run with your dogs a lot. I know the dogs are a huge part of what you do from a training perspective. What have you got going on with this anti-poaching initiative in Africa that you're going to be yeah, doing in so, 2024? Uh, I'm still still a hunter, still believe in hunting. I, I still believe the biggest conservationists on the planet are hunters. Uh, vets, maybe, you know, they're up there, scientists, photographers, you know, but it's not your general person that's worried about eating meat or something like that. It's It's definitely hunters are definitely at the top tier. And I like to take everything to the top tier. That's why I bought a bow and wanted to go elk hunting instead of, you know, getting a deer in Florida. Um, and I just kept researching it and I wasn't in the military. I'm not a cop. I tried to do search and rescue here, but it just didn't work out. Um, I've always wanted to do something with a canine. So there's, yeah, the, the place is called wildlife initiative trust Africa and they are private land and they're actually uh, the, the guy that owns the land, I believe, is a hunter, and it used to be a hunting range um, wilderness area, and now he does conservation. Well, its, it's easement is up against one of the national parks. So what's going on over there? I mean, poaching is obviously very bad over there, and it's gotten worse since the pandemic. Yeah, But it's huge. I think people are going into the – yeah, exactly. Um, people are going in through the private land – Cause it's basically not governed and they're going on to the national parks and then they're, you know, snaring the animals. So the private land have no help. They don't have like government guys patrolling it and stuff like that. It's so it's literally the people live there and it's the actual hunters, you know, cause if poachers kill all their animals, what are they going to hunt? You know, it'd be like if poachers were snaring elk, eventually we're not going to go out there and get elk in September, you know, and that's well, not just the season of September. Yeah. I was going to say not just the land, but it's also their livelihood, you know? Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah. Like somebody like Rusty that I keep talking about. Imagine if I call him one year and go, and he goes, well, there's, there's no elk. So I had to find another job, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of them are running. Um, I mean, we've got two friends, one in Mozambique and one in Zimbabwe and they, you know, they're running safaris. I mean, that's, yep. you know, they, they've got hunt, that's their business is they run professional hunting, uh, you know, expedition services. So if you've got people poaching stuff off your land, that's, I mean, they're taking food out of your mouth. Yeah. Imagine if you go out on a safari as like a professional photographer or something, or even just a, you know, a tourist, they, I mean, going to Africa to, uh, on a safari is, you know, beyond hunting, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, they're paying big bucks, but imagine going out there and not seeing anything. Ah, we saw some birds, you know? So, and it could very well happen anywhere if you have a problem. That's why we have rules. That's why we have conservation. So I wanted to do something with canines, long story short. Um, I got a hold of them on the internet and we got to talking and it just kind of, you know, there's not many people uh, have done what I'm trying to do is be a volunteer and go over there with my own canine and track poachers with them and their team. So I'm trying to do that in 2024 as well. So that's why all the videos and all the stuff I've kind of fallen off of the tracking right now. But we'll we hit it hard before I got busy. 
I'm starting a canine nutrition store called Mana's Canine Nutrition Market right here in Sarasota, Florida. That's about to open in hopefully in September. That's the other reason I can't hunt this year. Um, but um, we're um, joining that. And then next year, I'm hoping to go over there and start walking fences on the private side of the national parks and help them out and go hunt down dodo heads, basically. <laughs> well, that's good stuff, man. We'll have to get you back on after you do that so we can get a report on how that whole thing went. Definitely. Definitely. I want to get on a lot of them after that. I want to, I want to share that and educate people. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today, Jason. Uh, lots of great information and uh, the whole, uh, you're doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, all the married guys are jealous. So, <laughs> you know, you got tons of time to do it, but thanks for visiting with us. We appreciate it. And we'll have to have you back on after you go over to Africa next year. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Thanks so much. Have a good All one. All right. Take care.